Jarius Walker is a highly touted freshman who will be playing at the University of Houston next year. To put it frank, he is a guy that I am higher than the consensus on. My co-host, Leaf, maybe, maybe not quite so much. We'll tell you why coming up next. You are a Locked On NBA Big Board, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome everyone into the uh, Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. My name is Sam Ferris. You can follow me on Twitter at Draft Dummies. I'm there constantly posting thoughts, clips, stats. And with the season now kind of a month away for college basketball and NBA camps kicking off as soon as next week, that activity by both of us on the podcast and on Twitter will be ramping up. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Leif Tulin, and we are both credentialed NBA draft analysts. We are very excited that the season is starting. It's been fun watching other sports, whether it's baseball, tennis, but we all do miss basketball. And so that is uh, that time is now nearing, and we are very excited for that. I'm sure our listeners are as well. And on the docket today to talk about, we want to continue our series of specific player breakdowns. If you didn't catch the last two, um, we did Derek Whitehead and Keontae George. And today we're going to do Jairus Walker, a teammate of Keontae George at IMG. And he will now be playing for the University of Houston. So the way we're going to do it is I've got a number of topics laid out, different categories ranging from what do we think his strengths are to what do we want to see from him at Houston next year to maybe who would we compare him to in the NBA? And, you know, if we were to throw him in last year's class, where would we rank him as well? So we appreciate our listeners for joining us. Thank you for making this show your first listen today. Hopefully that is the case every day. If you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and leave your comments on, uh, what do you see Jairus Walker as in terms of a prospect? Do you see him top 10? And as we go through, let us know what you might agree with and where you might differ from our projections and opinions. Again, this is all still very, very early on. So to kick us off, a little high-level stuff for those of you that may not have heard too much about Jairus Walker before. Again, I mentioned played at IMG Academy. In terms of the physical profile, he's a six foot eight, uh, whether you want to call him a power forward, maybe a center, that's going to be something we might get into where we see him positionally. Reported as a seven foot two wingspan, he just turned 19, so a little bit older among freshmen. Again, headed to Houston with Terrence Arsenault to play under Kelvin Sampson for a Houston team that looks really, really good headed into next year. Per 247 sports, Jairus Walker was ranked as the 11th ranked prospect. And finally, Jairus Walker, if you want to look at very early mock drafts, you'll see he's got the widest range of the three guys we've talked about so far. You'll see him anywhere from late first, even early second, all the way up to kind of late lottery. Um, But let's start from the top. We always like to start with the biggest strengths. Let's start with the positives. I like talking about the positives more. 
Uh, it's just more fun. So let's start there. Leaf, uh, what would you say is Jarris Walker's biggest strength as a prospect? Honestly, it may be his strength, like like his physical strength and his stature. Um, we mentioned he's 19, and, and we're saying he's older for his grade, but coming out of high school, he's got an NBA build. And, and that's very rare that you have to develop uh, you don't have to develop any difference in your body to have what we considered a prototypical nba build especially at a p- position like kind of the three or or the four if he plays kind of a small ball four um and and there's there's a world i can see him playing a small ball five in in the nba um down the road and and it's it's because of his physical traits he's six eight six seven six eight with a probably two two twenty right now um and he's got long arms and he and he knows how to use his body and then, and then there's these coordination things that you rarely see from a guy that big in high school that, that is appealing. Um, I, we'll get to a few questions later that I have, but, but a lot of what I, we talk about, uh, I, I gave a quick kind of spiel about why I had Derek White ahead of Keontae George, and that was because of the, the way the NBA is starting to prioritize guys with switchability. And Derek White had, had more of that than Keontae George, but Jerace Walker has more of that than just about anyone in this draft class because he's big, he's strong, he's fast, he's long, he's athletic. He kind of reminds me in that sense of Tari Eason. They're a little different in terms of the way they're athletic, but they both have that kind of strength and, and length that you can't really teach. And it's, it's almost like you build them in a lab to play in the modern NBA. Yeah, especially defensively, right? The So I agree. Like one of my top notes on him is – I feel like uh, switchability is always harder to project than people think. But if we can project anyone to be switchable, like Jairus Walker should be that guy. I would say probably one through five if he really hits. But I think two through four and most fives, excluding like Jokic and Embiid, like for sure, he should be one of the guys that if anyone's switchable, like projecting from an early age to, to me, he is an easy bet to do that. So you mentioned the strength. So let's just get into like how we view him athletically and the physical profile. Cause we'd like to talk about that with all these guys kind of break down the different aspects of athleticism and especially how they pertain to functional athleticism actually out on the court. So um, I'll start, like you mentioned the strength. That's really important. That's something that he definitely has at a young age. So we don't really need to project that too much for him. Um, but another thing that I like is for a big at six foot eight, seven, two wingspan, he is very, very quick twitch just in his movements, which kind of pertains and relates to why we view him as a potentially very switchable guy. But not too often you see a, a guy that's like six, eight or above that's both very twitchy, but also when he has a chance to load up, can get up and, and can re- like his max vertical is also really good. So that combination of kind of power athleticism with the quick twitch athleticism is pretty unique. And a couple, I'll I'll highlight a couple um, moments from his film that I saw as I prepared Uh, one against Derek Whitehead, where Derek was coming off a pick and roll and Jairus Walker came out to hedge, but like Derek Whitehead didn't even notice what hit him and, and Keon and uh, excuse me, Jairus Walker's just so quick. He came out, like a whirling dervish just picked his pocket, went the length of the court and dunked just that quick twitch athleticism for a guy that big. And then in terms of the weak side rim protection where he can load up and get up and block shots, 
Uh, there was one play he was kind of floating on the weak side, and his man got beat baseline. He came over, loaded up, and had like a two-hand volleyball spike at the rim. And so, to me, that versatility, that scheme versatility, that versatility of athleticism where he can switch, but he can also protect the rim is very, very valuable. Um do you agree with where I see him athletically? And what else would you add in terms of what you look at with his physical profile, Leaf? Yeah, I think I think he's one of the guys who, who parlays all those traits into both combine athleticism is what I like to define it as. It's like they'll excel in a 40-yard dash if they were to do one. They'd excel in a in a vertical jump and, 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 and maybe the shuttle drill. I think he'd be very good at all those things considering his size. Um, but I like, I like the way you highlight the fact that it's translatable into basketball. It's functional. I think one other thing that I'd mention is, is we always talk about how like Villanova prioritizes the jump stop, but he's got a very good base. He's very, uh, he's, he uses his strength to create uh, like advantages when jump stopping in the paint doesn't force it by being the best, one of the best athletes on the court. And I think that's a, a really good sign of functional athleticism that you can use your athleticism to create advantages without having to dunk on people. Um, one thing that I would note is that He's, he's pretty fluid. Uh, he's not really like chalky while, while making these moves. I think there's things about his shot that like, I like the form. I like the release. Um, there, there's a few things that the fluidity of his game, I'm curious to see the way it's translated at Houston. And that's my largest reservation. We said in the open that I, I may or may not be. And it's not because I have a, like a consolidated opinion. It's just that Houston's got a very particular system. I'm very curious to see how he's different because he's very different from their fours of past. And he's going to play the four for them because they have three excellent guards. Um, and then the one last thing is, um, will, will, and I, I would still say this is a, this is a strength, is, is he's a solid finisher, but I wouldn't say he's a spectacular finisher because when you have that size in high school, I expect you to be really dominant around the rim despite his, um, he played very good competition. I'll be frank about that. But I expect at that size and athleticism level to be a spectacular finisher. And he was solid. So I'd still say it's a strength, but I think that's something that I would like him to improve upon and make himself a spectacular finisher with that body. I think he can be one. Sounds good. I, yeah, we got to get into a break and then I want to come back and revisit some of these points. Leaf makes some good ones. And then especially talk about where does he fit in at Houston? Because to your point, returning three really good guards, under Kelvin Sampson, they're projected, when I look at Bart Torvik, he projects them to be the number six team next year. I think I'm equally high on them. So where does he fit in the pecking order? And where where do we see his game offensively at this point in time? But first, uh, the first ad that we've got today is bet online because betonline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Uh, find all your latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering info with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport. It's the fastest, fastest and easiest way to check on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. That is BetOnline where the game starts all right so let's get back into the jarris walker discussion there's a lot of layers to peel back here we kind of agree 
the athleticism is really good. The versatility of his athleticism, he checks a lot of the boxes, especially when we look for a guy that fits the mold defensively that can switch. Uh, but offensively, I wanted to uh, get back on the point that you mentioned about the finishing, which is, I agree to a certain extent, but the caveat that I'd add is he did like so much from the perimeter for a big, like he would handle the ball a lot. So a lot of his like finishes at the rim came after drives, which you don't see from bigs all that often or whatever you want to call him, whether it's a big wing or a big, he was tasked or like allowed to, uh, to work and to experiment with his ball handling. And to me, to finish up on his strengths, his combination of the athleticism of the defensive skill set we've mentioned, plus the skill flashes, because, you know, when you compare him to guys of that archetype that are like the athletic, big, like four or five men in the NBA or in terms of prospects, usually those guys aren't the most skilled. And so I really like what I've seen from him in terms of the flashes of the handle at this point in time. And also there's a little bit of flashes of passing and of pull-up jumpers. Now, the catch and shoot is much further behind at this point in time. And that's the main concern that I have with his game. But just the skill flashes for a big of his archetype with that athleticism and defense, to me, the, the handle when I watched him is what popped or excited me the most and kind of separates him from other guys that are similar on the defensive side of the ball. But at that age in high school, they, they don't have that level of flash of skill offensively, including the handle. Yeah, I think the passing is a good thing to note. Um, I watched I watched some a few games, and then I watched just one breakdown that I saw on, on the internet. And I, I don't typically like to look at other people's stuff to influence mine, but I, I was thinking that if I did that, I could kind of build something to with or against And this is hard to tell because if you don't watch a team enough, you don't know what's a set play. And they said they ran specific plays for Jarese Walker to, to to dribble and to skip the ball. And, and you don't typically see that from a guy who at times was playing the five for IMG. Uh, they had a lot of good guards, but he was one of their lone bigger bodies. And I think that's something that they, he was a secondary facilitator of an offense at an advanced age and size position. And I think that's something to monitor as a skill. And I'm curious, once again, I'm curious about, how Houston develops that part of him. And then like you mentioned, the shooting is something that I would like to touch on, on, on potential strengths, but right now I'd say weaknesses. Yeah. And just to finish up on that point, like a lot of guys you'll see that are, that are bigs in high school, you'll see some flashes of ball handling, but it's more straight line, like attacking a closeout. And so the more I watched with him uh, over the last month or so, like he's running pick and roll. He's changing directions off the bounce multiple times, feeding people with passes off the bounce. Like it, it's more than you'll see normally. And so what I'm interested to see at Houston, because as you mentioned, they've got really good returning veteran guards. They're supposed to be a top 10 team this year. Like, does he get to play with the ball that much? Uh, does he get to show off much of that ball handling and passing or will he be playing more of a role as kind of an energy big? Uh, so that, when I look at what I want to see from him at Houston, that's kind of the main question that I see. And, and so how do you see that playing out? 
Yeah, that that's my biggest concern as to why I don't necessarily have him as a surefire lottery pick. I think a lot of people can I can make the argument, I can make myself believe it, but my concern for Jerace Walker is mostly that they have Mark Sasser, Tremont Mark, and uh, Jamal Shad. That, that's three established guards, and and Mark Sasser's the best player of the bunch, and he didn't even play last year. Tremont Mark didn't even play last year, and they and, the, and they made the Elite Eight and were a pretty pretty close game away from making the Final Four for the second consecutive year. The second question I have is Houston is known for playing a bruising physical style up front. Their bigs are, are Jawan Roberts, Reg, Reggie Chaney. They typically rebound like no one's business. They, they crash the boards. For those of you unfamiliar, Houston always, always is one of the best offensive rebounding teams in college basketball. And then secondly, what they do is their fours typically play inside and they have one pop and then they have one roll. So it's what's a lot of horns set and they run it for Mark Sasser or Tremont Mark or Jamal Shedd. And that what that means is that he's going to be playing away from the ball quite frequently. And so he's going to have to develop into a good shooter or someone that is an absurdly good rebounder to get national recognition and be productive to, for a team that should be contending for a national championship team. Uh, I have Houston as my fourth best team in the country um, entering this season. And, and, and I think that my concerns is that sometimes these freshmen are ambitious to improve their stock. And Houston is not a team that necessarily improves freshman stock. That's why they typically haven't gotten them because they play such a physical bruising style and they have veteran players. So will he get the ball enough to showcase some of those skill flashes? He'll be good defensively. He'll rebound. Well, I have no doubt, but will he be able to shoot? That's my big question. And that's what elevates him. And I guess I'll, we may get to this later, but I'll pause at this question, whether you want to answer now or later, um, what does he need to average, particularly shooting splits, for him to elevate his stock in your mind? And what, like, and what would you give kind of outline for rebounds and points? Yeah, that's that's a good question. It's one I've thought about a little. The one that I really want to see is what he shoots from the free throw line because I think he's going to get fouled a lot. And what's weird is um, he shot really well in high school on pull up jumpers, like really, really well, unsustainably yeah. well. And, like, it looks pretty fluid because off the dribble is just a more fluid gather and um, release into his jump shot. But the the catch and shoot has not been that fluid. It takes too long to get off. I think he's kind of got to redo that catch and shoot form, to be honest. And so that that kind of set catch and shoot form is what we see from the free throw line with him. And so the results were pretty mixed. Like he had some bad misses. I saw him airball a shot as well. And so don't know if that's a confidence thing because like he has the touch, the the pull up when he gets into it and has that rhythm built in from one or two dribbles looks really solid. So that to me is going to be one of the key aspects or metrics that I look at is the catch and shoot. And then how well does he maintain that pull up? Does it still look good like it did in high school? But then just kind of the set normal form from him from the free throw line is going to be important because I am going to use that to look at how I project him long term as a catch and shoot shooter. Because I think the form on the free throw line and the three point line just in terms of the set shot are going to be pretty similar. And so that that's going to be something that I really watch because in the NBA, um, yes, like I do think he he might depending on how high he goes, depending on how his team values him. He might get to play on the ball. Those passing flashes might be important, but it's hard to unlock all of that if you just can't shoot open catch-and-shoot jumpers if nobody respects you out there. You know, one of the lines I like to use is 
yeah, he'd be really good closing out. But if nobody has to close out to you, then a lot of those skills are kind of negated. And so that's certainly going to be one of the main things that I look out for this year with him. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think free throw percentage is going to be a key indication. I, I wrote I wrote in that these type of stats would move the needle for me. If he were to put up these stats on a good Houston team, that I'd move him up on my board just because I think that's like kind of a benchmark. It's 13 points, seven rebounds, 80% from the free throw and 35% from three. I don't think he gets that high. I, but I do I think if he were to get that high because he will get open shots, their qualified shot quality will be will be or sorry quantified shot quality will be very good because of the guards they have. And so his shots from the corners are Terrence Arsenault's and, and some like Reggie Reggie Cheney had great shots last year. Fabian White had phenomenal shots last year. That's a big loss by the way. Fabian White was their kind of their heart and soul of that team along with Jamal Shedd last year. But if he's to get the same shots and maybe even better ones because he's lower on the totem pole than Fabian White, I think that that type of shooting percentage, those splits would really move the needle for me as a prospect because I buy the athleticism, I buy the switchability. And then as I've mentioned, like Grant Williams has become a commodity in the NBA. He's a better prospect than Grant Williams. He's yeah. bigger, he's faster, but he needs to shoot the ball and show the flashes Grant Williams showed at Tennessee um, in, in his second of two years of SEC player of the year to get a label of going higher, even though he's a bigger and better rebounder than Grant Williams was um, already. And and so I think he just needs to shoot 35% from three, 80%. He's a lottery pick. Um, does he shoot that? I'm not so sure, but he still could be a lottery pick if he's able to show other flashes and improvements in other areas of his game. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I agree with the numbers you laid out. 80% though from the free throw line, like I would definitely bet the under on that. If he even shoots 70% on good volume, I'd be fine with that. But then you'd need to dig into like all of his jump shots throughout all the games to kind of get a better read on that. But uh, this is kind of a good transition into, well, I haven't said where I have him on my board. So I'll do that first. I have him right now. Look, I, I am higher based on what we've said than most everybody else, at least that I see in the mainstream. So right now, I think I have him eighth on my board, which I know is high. And it does come with the caveat that I need to see a little bit improvement on the jumper, especially just the catch and shoot and the free throws, like we've said. But to me, his skill set of, you mentioned it at the top, the fit in the modern NBA where... I view him as a, an elite defensive prospect with the scalability defensively and the ability to protect the rim weak side with the skill flashes. To me, that's, I, I really like him. And so that's why I do have him higher than the consensus at eight. I could see him ending up anywhere from kind of 15 to, to like six, seven. Um, where are you at on him right now? I think I think the highest I'd put him is twelve. I don't quite have him like pinned down on, a, on an area, um, and it's mostly because of it's hard for me to evaluate high school basketball when I know that the large tape they're going to watch is college, and he's got one of the most particularly unique fits. So that's why I'm a little little kind of shaky on where I'd project him. Um, I, I'd say I'd say the high end for me is eleven, and the low end's about seventeen, eighteen. Uh, so okay. I've got him. I've got him like in a, as a high draft pick. I, I just need to see the way he shoots. I need to see the way he defends at the college level because he'll be tasked with guarding a lot of bigger players um, on a Houston team that kind of plays very aggressively and physically. And I want to see if he's able to defend without fouling. I want to see the way he finishes and, and most importantly the way he shoots. Um, but but I think the high end for me is about eleven. 
And I would say the low end right now is about 18. Um, a guy that I, I would like to see him and, uh, uh, and I think he's a more talented prospect, but one I think is going to have a more projectable fit into his, his college roles like uh, Jordan Walsh. And so I think Jarese Walker is a better prospect, but I'm high on Jordan Walsh. And a guy like Dalen Terry went 18 last year. And Jordan Walsh, I think, is a bigger version of Dalen Terry, a, a superb glue guy. So if, if a guy like Jarese Walker struggles shooting the ball at a, at a really good team and they prioritize winning rather than his draft prospects, does he, could he possibly slip? And I know that's not what we're doing. We're, we're big board. We're not talking projecting. But it, that's a legitimate thought process of what you can see. And that's all you can control is what you see from down the road. So that's kind of my only concern of why I don't have a nailed down position. But I'd say 11 through 18 is is the range I have for him. But I'd, I'd lean, if I had to pick, I'd probably lean about 14 or 15. Okay. So to finish up here, I, it seems like I, I think we got to have the, the discussion of kind of what position he ends up playing in the NBA. Because it seems like to me, you see him almost as like a 3-4, whereas I see him more of a 4-5. And that might be kind of, that might not really matter that much based on how the modern NBA game is played. And then I kind of want to finish up by talking about how we'd compare him to a few prospects uh, from last year that I think is an interesting discussion. But in terms of like his fit in the NBA, well, I'll do some comparisons here. In terms of like a lower end-ish outcome, like I'd be slightly disappointed if his career ended this way, but kind of a Thaddeus Young to me is kind of like a lower end no, like, like that. He's young, said a really good career. I'm not saying that's a bad outcome. That's not like if everything hits, uh, then he could be better than that. But that's kind of my lower end ish comp. And then like if everything hits, it's like a mix of like Herb Jones and Bam Adebayo, like a little bit smaller Bam, kind of the mix of the two players. And then I, uh, before I throw it back to you, I want to mention last year, if you remember after the first few weeks of college basketball, a lot of people were thinking like Kendall Brown, like, could he be a top seven pick? And so I think Jarris Walker is kind of what we thought Kendall Brown was after five, seven games last year. If you remember, Kendall Brown had one game with 10 assists in the second game of the year last year and similar profile, but, and I liked Kendall Brown. I still do. But Jairus Walker, to me, is better defensively. He's stronger and more physical. So I think he has a better chance of scaling down to the four and five than Kendall Brown. And so I think he's kind of almost what we maybe thought Kendall Brown was after a few games last year, which was kind of interesting to revisit for me. Uh, did any of those comps kind of hit home for you? I like the Thaddeus Young one. Um, I, I expect him to be a better player than Thaddeus Young, but that said, Thaddeus Young's on his fifth or sixth contract right now in the NBA, and that's better than a lot of players can say, both in terms of longevity and productivity. Um, I actually, fun, fun story. Um, they, so I'm in Utah. They have this thing they used to call the Rocky Mountain Review, and I was like seven or eight years old when Thaddeus Young was drafted, maybe even younger. And I went to the Rocky Mountain Review every year and I watched Thaddeus Young as a rookie, which was basically like the summer league back then. And uh, Thaddeus Young, I was like, man, I like this guy's game. And I remember thinking this and I, I tried to get all the, all, I had this blue shirt and I had a bunch of people sign my jersey. I like Chauncey Billups was there and I, and I had uh, Derek Favors. I remember thinking, I was like, man, I kind of want Thaddeus Young on the Jazz. Because at that, at that point, the Jazz had a lot of really skilled players. We wanted more athletes that could defend. And I guess I was ahead of the, the generation for three and D. Thaddeus Young never, never really developed the three, but 
phenomenal defender and he's and he's become good. Long story short, I think if Jerace Walker were to be Thaddeus Young with a better three-point shot and maybe rather than playing so much of like kind of the small ball five that Thaddeus has been pigeonholed on on random teams that haven't necessarily been great fits, but he's been effective on, I think he could be a a consistent double-digit score in the NBA that's that gets you seven, eight rebounds and shoots mid-30s from three and give himself a 10-year career very easily. And that's not even if he hits the ceiling. So I, I do like his ceiling more than I... Um, I'd previously thought, and and Thaddeus Young, I think, is more of his floor. Um, so, so I think he's a very safe pick. That, that's uh, that's something that when you put those comparisons and you outline careers, obviously, it's it's not easy to say he's going to be there 16 years, but I think you can projectively say he'll be productive in the NBA, and that's rare for a guy that's not a surefire top five pick. Yeah, if if you're listening to this or watching on YouTube, let us know what you think his comp would be if you agree with any of ours. I'd be interested to hear some others. And the final one we always do is, you know, if we were to throw this prospect back into last year, where would we rank him? Um, You don't need to give me your exact ranking, Leaf, if you don't have it. But to me, I thought he wouldn't go in the top seven for me, um, which ended number seven, I had Matherin. So I'd have Shaden Sharp, Matherin, and then my top four guys above him. But then, to me, the interesting thought was, and I don't remember, I think you were lower on Jeremy Sohan. but I had, I had him about 15. Yeah, you were lower. So I had Jeremy Sohan eight, but I see them as playing or fulfilling a similar role, probably for their college team, but in terms of their NBA projection and future as well, where Sohan was the versatile defender that was kind of a better ball handler and passer than people thought. And there were times down the stretch of the season, he got to even run the show, like handle the ball quite a bit. And so some kind of artificial high level similarities there. Now, Jairus Walker is a much superior athlete uh, than Sohan. uh, But where would early on, and we can also throw Tari Eason in this discussion who you mentioned earlier. I think all three of those guys project to play a similar role very early right now on Jairus Walker, how would you compare him with those two guys? Well, I think, I think Sohan's going to have the advantage of playing with the ball more at Baylor. I just, I just think it's hard to imagine Darius Walker takes the ball out of the three phenomenal guards at Houston, even harder than it was to imagine that Baylor, uh, that Sohan got the ball at Baylor. Um, and he played. I was going to say it would have been hard to imagine that last year before the season too. But yeah, right. I I agree, but but we saw it happen. And I think it's hard to imagine that you're going to have as yeah. many injuries and you're going to have as many of like, oh wow, we need some spark. And Sohan played that spark role of the six man initially. Um, but but I would say that Eason's a more dynamic athlete, and he had the balls in like an isolation score. I think Darius uh, Walker is more of a, a team oriented offensive player. Um, and Easton was someone that really, I really, really liked. And I, honestly, I, I did a podcast and said I was right to move him here and have him above the consensus, but I think I was still too low on him during after the first game of Summer League. So I had a little bit of hindsight, but then I was kind of proven right after that based off of Summer League, and I really think he's going to be awesome. But based off what I knew before the draft happened and before Summer League happened, I would put I would put Jarius Walker at about 10. I, I think the guys like Benedict Matherin, uh, guys like we both had Jalen Duran in our top six. Um, we had we had Keegan Murray uh, above him, and I think I think I'd put him a nine or ten. I think 
some of those wings, I think, will score more projectably, but his defense will be valuable, especially if he's able to play the small ball five um, and shoot the ball. So I would say I'd say 10 pretty safely. And I think if I were to be able to include Tari Eason, I think Tari Eason's a better prospect, but that's having the knowledge of how he played in summer league. And I was almost kicking myself for not moving him higher um, during the draft process as soon as I saw him play in summer league. And I ended up with Tari Eason at 11. So I was not low on Tari, but but I think him and Tari are similar pre-draft prospects. I just think that Tari Eason's dy- uh, dynamic abilities are are extremely rare. Yeah, Tari or uh, yeah, Tari Eason. I, I definitely moved up after the summer league. I had him in the mid-teens, and I would say that I think Jarris Walker, like he's obviously much younger, and and Tari Eason went into the draft after two years. And I think as a prospect at the same age, I definitely preferred Jairus Walker. And so I do think Tari Eason's safer because we've already seen him succeed at a high level in college, even though it took two years. We saw him play really well in summer league. And we already know that he went in the top 20 in the draft. So I think like his median outcome, he's a little safer, but I do think at the same age, the trajectory is on. I might take Walker because I think his upside might be higher if it hits. Um, and I think tracking all three of those guys together with Sohan, with Eason, and with Walker, I think that's going to be really interesting that I'm going to keep an eye on those guys. Very excited to see Sohan play because we didn't get to see him play in Summer League as well. One of the guys that I'm frankly most excited to see this year for the Spurs. Um, I think that is most of the notes or thoughts that I had. Leaf, is there anything else before we finish up you wanted to add? I've got one just a philosophical question. It's, it's like if you're if you're drafting a team, and it, you could even choose like if if Jarius Walker were to be in last year's draft, for instance, so we don't have to like project how players play this year. Mm-hmm. What type of role or what type of team would you pick him on to have the most uh, success successful role? Like like we obviously what Sorry Easton did in the summer league, we saw that, um, but you, I don't know if that was necessarily like projectable. What like so the Spurs took Sohan at nine. Would you take that type of role for him, or would you try to take a a role that was a little different, or would you, or is that model of like Thaddeus Young Sohan, you know, a more modern version of Thaddeus Young, the the role you're taking, or do you think he can have a more supplementary role rather than a what we see as primary role? Yeah, like I don't think he's ever going to certainly be a primary scorer, but to me, when I look at the draft, I look at the higher you go, the more your team's invested in you, right? So like for Sohan, the, a lot of things I liked about him was kind of the off-the-dribble playmaking upside to go with the defensive versatility. But if he had gone like 20th, then I, I don't think a team would be as invested in giving him on-ball reps. But now that he's going to the Spurs, a team that frankly isn't going to even be trying to win this year, like I think he's going to get opportunities to play on the ball. They don't even really have a, a real starting point guard. Like I think Trey Jones is probably going to start this year. And so, yeah, like ideally if Jairus Walker were to go in the lottery or like top 10, like Sohan did, then you would have to think that the team would be invested enough to at least see what they have there in terms of the on-ball upside, the passing. They'd let him at least experiment and kind of test the boundaries of that. But if he ends up going later than that, then I think he'll probably be more pigeonholed into maybe not a three and D, but more of like a, a complete so, like supporting role, like a fourth, fifth option offensively, where he's more of a play finisher. Um, and so I think 
if that happens, then you might not see a higher end outcome for him, but it might be safer in that he's playing a role for a good team. And I, I know he can still rebound, be like a decent, like, f- uh, you know, passer within the offense, like a ball mover, but that kind of would take away the high end upside. And with that, it looks like Leaf got kicked off. So uh, we are going to conclude the episode there. Thank you for joining. If you've got any other comments or thoughts or have the next prospect you'd like us to do, let us know. Thank you for making this episode your first listen today, and we hope that's the case every day.